Okay, the Rosillo Show podcast double CD, the second CD that usually has the slower, more depressing jams, but later on in life, you go, you know what? I think I like this too better. This one's like, oh yeah, these are all the hits. Turn this on. And then, you know, a little bit later, you're like, run that slow one. I think that has a better lineup. And then a lot of guys go, yeah, you know what? Took a while. I think I like CD two better. Some people are going, what the hell are you talking about? I just see 27 songs. Um, so Chris Long on Philadelphia versus New England. Also, why certain running backs were like 90 grunge bands. And a tweet that made the world mad at him. And we're going to go a little deep on that. And five questions. New segment that we're doing with every guest. We're going to try to do rapid fire. Rosillo! As promised, kind of surprised it actually took this long to have Chris Long on. Remember when we used to call it going long with Chris yeah, Long? Yeah, that was that was when I was a nobody. Oh, you were somebody to us, buddy. Um, <laughs> what were the other the other titles we had? Don't get all defensive with Chris. Yeah, Long? yeah, and we had uh, was it Musburger? Yeah, his voice. Yeah, Musburger did that for us. That's yeah, cool. that was pretty cool. That was like a highlight for me. That was okay. So you're going to be the first guy I'm doing this because I feel like. I need to tighten up certain segment ideas. People love produced segments, so you're going to be the first ever in honor of Craig Kilborn back when he had the Daily Show and then had the Late Late Show. He used to always enter every interview. And I was going to start doing this on radio because I just didn't trust any of my co-hosts to do it the way I wanted to do it, which may be my fault. You're very particular. I am. I'm very – I can be difficult when it comes to content, but I wanted to do five questions. And because I used to do this anyway, just rap, it's not like Craig Kilborn's the first one to ever think of asking somebody rapid fire questions at the end, but I have rapid fire questions for you at the end. So when you feel like you're no longer entertained by us yeah. talking, then you just go, Hey, I'm, I'm out. Cue the five questions. Yes, cue the five questions. And maybe we can even get some production down the road for it, Saruti. <laughs> have you met Saruti? Uh, I believe I have. Oh, that's at right. Least, yeah. At least on the phone. Yeah. I mean, in, no, no, in person you, one time too, when I came up there. Yeah. When you came up and stayed in Hartford, which is an incredible stat. That was awesome at the Restoration Hardware Palace. A lot of that stuff is for sale right now. Your house is like a Restoration Hardware showroom. I know I say it all the time, but it's, it's good to point out to anybody who didn't hear the last time I was on. I know. And I'm trying to sell stuff and they're decent prices and I'm not getting any bites. And the thing is, like I put in the ad, no pets, no friends, no kids. So. Mm, that narrows it down. All right, let's talk about you, because I teased out this podcast by saying, is Chris Long the new Facebook? Do you feel like your stock took a massive hit after your DiVincenzo tweet from Championship Monday? Well, uh, I didn't know that anybody offended by a joke like that liked me anyway. What was the joke? So the joke, I was sitting there watching, as everybody was, the game, and uh, you know, I'm watching this this white wing player, just balling out, athletic. Uh, athletic, jumping out of the gym. And he goes for 31. I think the moment when he two-hand blocked that guy's <laughs> shot uh, is when I had an epiphany that I wanted to rethink my life. And I was like, this guy had me feeling inspired. He he had me regretting my decision to play football. I wish I was a basketball player. And I just imagined that out in my neighborhood, like, all these little white kids would be like taken to the streets to shoot on baskets that they didn't even own and probably stand out until their parents called them inside because all of a sudden they had this uh, hoop dream and it just made me laugh. I was just sitting there and I started cracking up my, my wife's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, just look at this guy. So I tweeted out. I said, I basically just said, DiVincenzo has been dangerous on the court, but the most dangerous thing he's done is given, you know, a bunch of little white, white uh two guards 
uh, false hope. And man, did that rattle a few cages. <laughs> I had a list that I actually was keeping a log of some of these awesome responses I got. You know, I got a couple guys that said, Larry Bird, man. Uh, I was like, well, people forget that. Uh, <laughs> my favorite one was, uh, what would happen if your dad told you something that hurtful and you couldn't follow your dreams? And to him, I said, well, when I was getting recruited to be a college defensive end, my dad told me I, I should look at double A schools. And I'm an Army All-American, by the way, four stars, uh, heralded recruit. And my dad tells me I need to start working on my guard sets. So, buddy, I've been there. Uh, if anybody can make the joke, a self-deprecating joke about being a white guy in a in, at a position or in a sport where you're not – uh, running the show, uh, it would be a white defensive end in the NFL for 10 years. So wait a minute, I'm going and looking for it now. Did you delete it? Delete my tweet? Yeah. No, it's just deep. You got to go back a ways. Yeah, I'm going through all your brackets and then Macon saying that you look like Kyle Kuzma. Macon's obsessed with this. That's Macon from UVA. It wasn't Kyle Kuzma. Oh, wait a minute. It was it's Nance Jr. Nance Jr. That makes Which, more sense. Yeah. All so, three of you guys look alike. So, uh, so, all right. So, so you got people got really mad at you. Do you have a couple responses that are still sticking with you three days later? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I have a seventy-year-old woman hit me up and told me that she my comments made her weep for the state of our country and how divisive they were. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how did you how did you make it through the sixties? Uh, you, you know, you're 70 years old. This is really rattling your cage. Vietnam. Do you do you weep a lot? Tweet. Yeah. Uh, all right. So not, just, re- not just cry. You wept. Did you did you respond to her? Yeah, I respond to her. Um, you know, I have one true leadership of liberal double standards with some sarcasm, expecting everyone to understand your message on identity politics. Disappointed in you, Chris. Now you've definitely. I've noticed this too. Is that you're. Your stock like went through the roof after your takedown of Fox News because Ingram was ripping LeBron with the whole shut up and dribble, even though not that I want to defend Laura Ingram here, but like the whole point was that that's kind of her catchphrase. So it wasn't necessarily specific to LeBron, but that's kind of the way it played out because it crossed over into a world that hadn't really been that familiar with the word. Right. And then you had the guy from Duck Dynasty talking about like the Middle East. And- well, I mean, I, I, so Laura Ingram uh, just basically threw me the alley-oop or anybody totally. that wanted I mean it, it just was so easy I mean it when was. you work for Fox News and this is an apolitical comment by me if the if your rule of thumb is that you have to be an expert to comment on what you're talking about on air or um, on social media I just googled some of their correspondence and I, I think they had Fabio on there talking about um, Syria or something and they had Chuck Norris talking about climate change. <laughs> uh, and they had John Voigt, uh, who I described as the Anaconda guy, because that's how I know him. Um, he was great before. He was Anaconda. talking about something really complex on there. So, you know, to turn around and then tell LeBron. And, and to be being serious for a moment here, that's a problem we have um, as athletes, as we hear all the time that you, you're only allowed to talk about an issue if you're an expert and that our – um, occupation disqualifies us from talking about certain things like politics. Well, if that were the case, unless you're a politician, let's not talk about politics ever. Um, 
And if you didn't, if you didn't play in the NFL, I don't want to hear you talking about the NFL. But that's not the way the world should work. Um, I thought that's when, like, it was just good. It was funny. You know what I mean? It was like, funny. I mean, I, I was think, having fun with it. I think anyone on either side politically should be able to say, you know what? If somebody's going to say that this person can't talk about non-sports related things like how can we have the guy from duck dynasty breaking down a hostage situation okay? yeah so let's get and, the rules like let's right. gr- ground floor let's figure out what the rules are and then we'll go from there exactly and i think i think reasonable people go okay wait a minute if you guys are gonna get mad about this then we go. so like everybody loved it and you i mean i think you ended up what a hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand more followers it was nuts like you did is that what happened i thought it was a super bowl <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, think it was I mean, the Super Bowl, was dude. Ingram, so I'm I telling you, her. I think it was that. And so, I appreciate her. But okay, so then guess what happens is now you have eyes on you that aren't used to the Chris Long brand, where you're going to have some fun. And right, I, I, so so people missed, and this was the whole thing was people missed the joke. I mean, I think a lot of people thought I was really telling white kids to you know you know, change sports and take up fencing or to something because the, you, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm making a joke. If I think people miss the tone, um, but I don't care. I'm telling a joke and it's funny to me. A lot of people thought it was funny. And at the end of the day, I kind of tied it together. with saying, I really hope if you want your kids to be pro athletes and keep that dream alive, they got to have thinner skin than you. Um, because they'll never last in a locker room. Thicker. You mean? Yeah. Or, well, thicker. Yeah. Sorry. Just, I was just, I didn't know if I didn't understand it or something. No, your thin, your skin can't get any thinner than being a mad white dad when I tell you your son probably is not going to be an, an elite wing player. Okay, can I bring the the white perspective to this though? Yeah, here's what I think is happening though: is that yeah. the rules, and I know this is somebody that hosted a talk show for you know I don't know 15 years, is that I'm basically told whenever it's about race, I'm already wrong. Like I'm not like. One, I, I don't, don't. I don't feel that way. Okay, though. I know you don't feel yeah. that way, and we shouldn't feel that way. But I think this is what's happening: is that every white guy's like, "No thanks, no thanks, man. Don't yeah. want to hear from you." And yeah. by the way, you're wrong on everything. So what's happening here? And it's not me, okay? Yeah. But what's happening with other white guys in the country is that okay? So these are the new rules, and on top of that, I can never be mad about anybody making fun of my race. Right. And that's what's happening. And people are getting more heated now because they're like, wait a minute. So I'm supposed to pay more attention to everybody else's plight and I'm supposed to be more sensitive to all these things and I'm supposed and to should. be more educated. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm not, I'm not yeah. complaining about that. But what I'm saying is, is that dude is being told all the rules and then he's also being told that he can't be offended by anything. And he's, he's kind of had it. And that's what I think happened to you. Well, I think at the end of the day, man, like of all things to be offended about, um, totally. I mean, what a you know, it's like, listen, like you're, you're associating me. You're saying, um, I'm a hypocrite, a hypocrite. Cause you lump me in with, uh, you know, um, you assume that I, I, I'm offended by everything because of my political affiliation or something. Um, to get me back, you're just doing the same thing, which it's it's just it's it's crazy and of all the things to be offended about i mean you know sorry your kid's not going to be you know uh the next uh michael jordan or you know uh he's probably the odds are stacked against him and I, like i said you know as a white defensive end in the nfl i've heard it all i mean you know like listen for the last 10 years it's been uh when i came in the league it was your 
your comp is Aaron Campman and Patrick Kearney and Kyle Vandenbosch. And now it's <laughs> me, Ryan Kerrigan, and Joey Bosa, who are all very different players, mind you. Um, and, it reminds and, me of an older Joey Bosa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, and I think for a while there, and, and generally in sports, and we've had this, like, Lamar Jackson conversation about racial coding and whatnot, and we, we you know, I covered this in a Bleacher Report article, I believe it was, um, where they asked me for my opinion on it. Um, I think, yeah, there's racial coding all throughout um, evaluating football talent, and that's just the world we live in, and people have a hard time talking about it. But we need to talk about it. It's Sometimes it's funny when it comes to, you know, uh, me and Ryan Kerrigan and Cal Vandenbosch and Aaron Campman all of a sudden having identical games. And um, sometimes it's not so funny because, you know, for court, black quarterbacks in the NFL, it, it is harder. And that's the most important uh, job on the, on the field in the NFL. And when you look at somebody like Lamar, I mean, there is some ridiculousness to, you know, the way we digest his, you know, ascension to the NFL. Um, and then there's the other side of it, which is if somebody critiques Lamar, they're not racist. You know, if somebody says, I don't think Lamar's a, you know, I read, I read a, I read a take at the beginning of the year that he was on, he was on a a Heisman watch list and he was like number three or number four for the, for the year, which makes sense. I mean, if you're, if you're a betting man, only one player has ever won it consecutively. Right. Yeah. So chances are, if you're hedging your bets, he's not going to win the Heisman. It's just hard to do. Um, right, but then it became, it was it, racist because he wasn't ahead of Rosen and Darnold. And, yeah, uh, and so like now it's become, in, for some for some people on the internet, I mean, most people I talk to in person aren't like this, but, you know, um, you can't compliment Josh Allen. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on with Josh Allen. There's a lot of great stuff going on with Lamar, too. I mean, their games are different. Um, you know, and uh, I don't know too, too much about quarterbacks, but I think they'll all be, um, you know, Josh, Sam, you know, now Rosen. There's another, I mean, there's another angle with the Rosen thing, which is his independent thought process and kind of his outspokenness. But see, I um, think so, I think the Rosen thing is a really good example, and I brought this up earlier, and I was joking earlier in the podcast where I said, what if, can you imagine if Rosen were white and we were asking these questions about his character, leadership, and commitment to football? And that's kind of my point, as I'm kidding, is that mm-hmm. if he were a black guy, we'd be saying it's all racial code. You know, like, I look, I've watched Lamar a lot, okay? I base my opinion on watching guys a lot. I don't know the game like you, man. I don't know. Like, but you, you might st- know quarterbacks just as well as me. Yeah, you've set me straight sometimes, though, in, like, just absolute takedowns of my opinion on a player. And then I went, whew. Wow, that was that was very accurate and vicious. But I appreciate well, you've it. Done it. You've done it for me with the NBA. Yeah, I know. But like when you have when you have like you would be good in the front office because like I remember I think you were the first guy that ever said and we couldn't say it on the air at the time, but there was a quarterback. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this now. But you know what? I, I think I'm gonna because it doesn't matter. He doesn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but like early on against Peyton, I mean, this is years removed from when like when Peyton Manning started to decline. You were the first person. Not that I'm talking to a ton of NFL guys, and you were like, dude. Like it's just the the pop isn't there anymore, and yeah, I, it I mean, was a he, hard thing been, to sell. It's a long time playing the game. And, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so I mean, a lot. Like, listen, it's it's like any profession. There's things that we see um, that people outside the game don't see. Now, with quarterbacks, with college quarterbacks, my guess is as good as anybody's. I mean, but at the end of the day, uh, my biggest take on Lamar Jackson really has nothing to do 
with race, although it is a completely relevant topic and we should be talking about it in the racial coding. It's bad. It's, it's, but, so, it's, but see, all right, like it's I la- it, what it is, is it's lazy. It's just like calling me a high motor, high effort guy. Now I have the words high motor tattooed on my arm. It's kind of, you do. it's kind of sarcasm. You, you never seen that? I haven't, I don't know. There's so much color on those. You don't arms. look at my just, biceps, bro. No, I mean, I saw the jellyfish. <laughs> so, so like, so listen, like my biggest take is if, Quarterbacks don't grow on trees, especially guys with tools like Lamar has and okay. who who have played that well in college in, in in a major conference. So if you're the best coaches in the world, if we if we're supposed to have the best coaches in the world in the NFL and your knock on him is all stuff that is coachable and fixable, why can't you coach him up and fix him? Why why do you have to why is your first reaction we need to look at him as a skill guy? You know, and say a, a team that doesn't need a, a quarterback early on. Um, I also think maybe if there's a team that worked them out as a skill guy because they are two or three deep at quarterback, then that's okay. They're they're kind of doing their homework. But a team that needs a quarterback should should never look at Lamar as anything but an opportunity to turn their program around. And can we coach them up? If we're the best coaches in the world, we should be able to coach them up. True, but I, I just think I've learned going through it more and more, and I went through this a couple of weeks ago when I did my Lamar podcast. Is like I've watched a lot of Lamar, and it's because he's one of my favorite players I've ever seen in college football. It's that yeah. much fun. And because this year, too, they had a lot of earlier window games, and it would just be on. So I'd be like, man, it's Lamar. I'm going to watch it again. And I was always surprised at how inaccurate he was on clean pocket throws that were very short throws. Not to yeah. say that his arm isn't incredible, and I think he's about as good a make-miss guy as I've ever seen, and that includes Vic. I've never seen a dude at the goal line just sort of like one step and then through everybody. Oh, and he's been one of, he's been one of, you speak for both of us, I and mean, he's been one of my favorite players it's to unreal. watch. It's unreal. But I think what happens here is that when someone goes, okay, if he's that special, and I'm a little freaked out. I don't want to talk completion percentage because that stuff's all skewed all over the place yep. because it's just different systems. Um, you go, okay, well, maybe we can get the ball in this guy's hands at some point. The thing is, is when it's when it's the white guy from Baylor or Oklahoma State, other than Whedon, um, you know, I don't know what to do with any of those Baylor guys. I mean, Florence had huge numbers and he didn't even bother playing in the pros. And Petty looks like it's, nothing's ever going to happen. So, like, I don't watch that seven-on-seven football. Oh, here we go. Um, but my point is like those, a lot of those white guys that put up massive numbers and systems, we don't even allow them the compliment of, Hey, maybe we can find a way to get this guy H back. You know, I mean, we yeah. look, we did it to Tebow. We did it. We said, Hey, can he, can he catch some balls? Can he try out a tight end? So but I think some there, of this- there are very few. There's a lot less that we've done it with, um, on the Caucasian side there. And with Tebow, understood, but Tebow, some of them we don't even Tebow, bother. Tebow with good reason said, I'm a quarterback. You know, I had people in my mentions when I was talking about Lamar and the relevancy of of this coding and, uh, you know, this how race affects how we look at it. Um, I had people in my mentions talking about, well, Tebow, Tebow would still be in the league had he made the switch. Using that as like, if Tebow had switched to tight end, he'd still be in the league. You're going to tell me Tebow would have carved out a 10-year career as a tight end? No, that's, the NFL. that's, that's I mean, such these an are insult. ridiculous takes. It's such an insult to tight ends. Like, as if you, you could you just, just think because right. somebody's good at quarterback that they're going to be able to make the transition elsewhere. You know how many f- guys that could really run and cut and great um, hands and, 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 and had even solid hands couldn't run routes or, you know, didn't have the work ethic or, you know, it's, it's, that's why the combine is in, in a lot of ways overrated. So you can't, 
even if a player has like measurables, doesn't mean they can play football well. So you can't just project a guy who's been a great college quarterback and say, well, we really want him as a wideout because he is athletic. And part of that is Lamar's just got so many gifts that, you know, people out overthink it. And my thing is, instead of overthinking it, why don't you just coach him up and fix the deficiencies that you see at, at quarterback if we have the best coaches in the world in the NFL, which maybe it's questionable. I don't know. If you can't coach somebody up who's that talented, um, maybe we should be asking about how we can develop talent in the NFL because that's a concern as well. Yeah, I think quarterbacks, the way this league works is that if you don't show anything those first two years, then it's over. So we kind of like – if I were in the league, I would say we eat our young at the position, and half of the first round guys are clear busts, if not more, in the last twenty years. Like I well, went over and, it all, and I, I think it's just the position. I think there's things that we try to evaluate that we don't know until somebody's facing NFL pressure on Sunday, and you're like, "All right, this guy doesn't have it," and we couldn't see it until we actually saw it in person. And in addition, all high draft picks, all heralded guys, are coming into just you know hellish situations where. It's just chaos. I mean, my buddy Sam Bradford, you know, he takes a lot of heat. Um, but my he, buddy too. It's yeah, your buddy too. There you go. Solid. Um, you know, when he showed up in St. Louis, we didn't have much around him. I mean, he was getting peppered. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anybody get hit that hard, and he just kept getting up, and and that's all well and good. But you know, a lesser guy, maybe he's shell shocked and he's out of the league. Um, you know, he's, he's hurt even more than Sam, you know, has been hurt. Um, and, and when a head coach is hedging his entire future, because you got to realize the, you know, head coach, head coaching in the NFL is like a now or never thing too. Um, they don't care about developing a quarterback. We got to throw him in there. I only have a year or two. And if this quarterback doesn't win for me now, um, it's irrelevant. And I could care less if I ruin this kid's career because my, my, my future's tied to it too. That's, the way I would think if I was a head coach because I don't have, you know, three, four years to develop. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, look, hey, these guys are getting fired. So, um, you know, I think actually the Bradford example is really good with Chip in Philly where he moves on from a guy like Foles who wins you a title yeah. because he goes, well, at least if Sam is right, this is my best chance of having a guy from a talent standpoint even yep. though I think people listening just right now be like, well, Bradford's so talented. I mean, you're right. He gets dumped on all the time, but I think there's a reason why teams Sam's still- ridiculously talented, and he's, um, you know, when you see like somebody like Sam throw a ball, and then you go see somebody else throw a ball, like I took it for granted for a couple of years there in St. Louis, and then I go see somebody else throw a ball. Um, we bring in another guy or whatnot, and it doesn't come off their, their arm the same way. So there are people that get – I see now, I didn't understand why people get enamored with arm strength and accuracy. Like, when somebody has that, you know, you, you, you always hold out the hope that they'll, A, get healthy, or the situation will be right, we can build around them. So I get that. And, you know, there's a reason people take chances on Sam, because Sam's tough. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a leader. I mean, he's not a fiery – guy like as far as you're going to see him yelling at a bunch of people but guys respect him in locker rooms and he can he can throw the football and that's that's the chance you got to take because if you don't have a quarterback you can't win games i've uh, always noticed that anytime sam's got hurt whatever like people just everywhere all over the league it proves how much people really like him um yeah because a lot of people come out to support him are you surprised and then you get some haters you know, when I saw him in person, I was surprised how big he is because he looks 12 in his uniform on Sunday. Have you talked to him about that <laughs> at all? The sleeves are bad. The sleeves. What is that style? I don't know. We call him Sammy Sleeves. Rydell? 
I don't know. (laughs) He's the guy. Literally, it cracked me up because when we got to the Super Bowl and we were playing in Minneapolis, uh, you know, a bunch of us, everybody in Philly loves him, like all the players that play with him. So we're all sending, we, we walk in and in every locker room, there's a, uh, there's like a guide that has like the illustrated perfect uniform. You won't get fined if you dress like this guy, um, you know, kind of rendering of what a swagless player looks like. And <laughs> right next to it, a lot of time there's a player from that team that's modeling that look. And on the right of the rendition, there's or the rendering. It's uh, there was just a picture of Sam, and, and so <laughs> we were all hitting him up because he just he has he has zero swag, but he can spin that football. Okay, your experience back to back Super Bowls. Um, tell me the differences between Philadelphia and New England. Well, I mean, obviously. You know, Say something that everybody picks up. Like, I want this to be on the news. Yeah, I know. That's what everybody does now. Uh, I'm telling you that's what I want. So I'm not well, even trying to Well, it's funny. Every fan, that, every fan um, that comes up to me from, like, you know, the city is like, which one's better? Well, I'm not going to say which one's better. I mean, there's, you know, as good as it gets, you, you can't beat it, even if you do it again. But uh, the, the, the two cities, the difference is, obviously, one has been used to this perpetual, like, winning championship machine so you know going to philly and feeling you know um that kind of that excitement in the city that's hard to beat um you know as far as i i was because it wasn't their fifth one yeah it wasn't their fifth or sixth or how many however many it's been in new england that's a machine you know and you're joining a machine and you play your part and and you know um and you love it. I loved my teammates up there. I still talk to them all, all the time. You know, got great respect for Bill. Um, you know, equally, a lot of similarities and great teammates in the two places, which is not, you know, a given on any NFL roster. But I would say, like, the city part, um, you know, as far as I didn't get to live in Boston and enjoy Boston. Because you guys aren't allowed to, right? You have to get a parent slip. Yeah, <laughs> No, that's not it at all. So I lived in I lived in Foxborough because you know how far Foxborough is from Boston. Yeah, it might so, as well be Rhode so, Island. So and yeah, you love so, Rhode Island, so if you, I, I actually like Providence a lot. So so if you live in Foxborough, you might never venture into Boston. So that was different for me. Was I really enjoyed Foxborough? My son spent the first year of his life there. It's it'll always be special to me. But living in Philly downtown. Um, I got to live in, in Fairmount, which is right outside the city. It's in the city, but it's right outside downtown, outside center city and getting to commute every day through the city, kind of experience what Philly's all about and see that kind of unfold with the excitement. People were excited about the team and then it kind of slowly built and it was like, we got a chance to make the playoffs. Oh my God, we got a chance to get home field. You know, the Carson injury, everybody stuck by us. And then, uh, you know, obviously culminating with the NFC championship, the last game there, um, and the Super Bowl, um, I meet Eagles fans everywhere and, you know, and they should be proud. I mean, this is the first time that city's had a football championship and that's special. They waited a long time. Is it true that after you won on the field, you looked up at the craft luxury box and gave it to John Cena? Can you see me now? <laughs> it's so stupid. Where are you thinking this stuff? Okay. I read it. I saw it. Did you? I saw it. Did you? It wasn't no, I, I, nothing like that. No? Okay. Nope. nope. All right, just double-checking. Um, Philadelphia hates me right now, and you re-signed there, even though like during my days where I wasn't getting anything done and I was just well, sitting around. Why do they hate you? 
Well, because I didn't think the Sixers were going to be any good because usually teams like this aren't good, and um, they're really good. Yeah, and they are I, good. Huh? I like those two guys a lot, but I just didn't think like teams that never play together and teams that aren't healthy usually aren't awesome, and now they're really good, and the whole city hates me. So I'll never understand that, you know, people getting so riled up about what, you know, a radio person, not to like call you just a radio person. You're obviously a person too, but you know, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, if you're wrong and as long as you're okay with saying, I was pretty wrong. As long as you're okay with saying I'm wrong and you own it. I have three times. Okay. Well, there you go. We should be done. We should Philly. Let's give him a, a pardon. How about it? Yeah. But see Philly, as I've always said, when I experienced it, I said, it's just a meaner Boston. It's very similar. I don't, I'm not. I'm not making any. Well, you've been in both you, places the last two years. Do you think it's meaner? No, I think they're both like awesome in their own way, honestly, and that's not a cop out. Um, a little bit. That's no, all right. it's not. I don't want to get mean, you in trouble. No, because listen, I mean, I've heard. You know, I said this over and over again. When you hear things about Philly, it couldn't. The negative things couldn't be any less true. Um, you know, but I've also only experienced the Super Bowl season. Yeah, I think you've had a better run with Philadelphia than I have. So I well, think listen, I, there's nothing. I, I've absolutely loved Philly, and they've they've kind of adopted me. You know, for a while there, I was floating around, and um, you know, haven't played somewhere for so long in one place. And St. Louis giving me that kind of love that they gave me, and then you know, in Boston, I was in and out, and they have such an established thing there that they appreciate you, they love you, they support you. But somebody's going to be there next year that's going to you know do the same thing you're doing, and and that's just kind of the way it is up there, um, and and I respect that. I was trying to uh, on like days I had off after we signed. I kept calling Les Snead and saying I was with the front office, and I was like, "Look, we just we have too much depth, and we wanted to bring Chris back, and I don't want him for a seventh, but we'll do a sixth because a seventh sounds bad." And I could never get through to him because my weird. my moving truck was supposed to show up today. It did weird. Yeah. So what happened? I thought you and I were gonna like. I thought you were gonna sign with the Rams, and then we were gonna get a place. Do you ever imagine things? Do you ever like just kind of like things like play out in your head, and they never really got talked about? That's basically everything I do every day. Is that <laughs> I'm creating content, whether or not I use it. You know. uh, yeah. So you're back in Philly. I'm. I am pumped because I know, I know that just the setup is something you really like. I know that. Um, you know, I think it, it is. Like the the wor- the roughest cities are kind of the best cities to be successful in. You know what I mean? Like well, I know that's I mean, weird, but I know I know you're happy, and I'm you know look. I mean, obviously, selfishly, I'm pumped for you because you're you know you got the contract. You're back on for what? It's just one year, or is it one of those it, fake ones? It's a couple years, but you know it's I'm year to year, year at this point. Yeah, I'm always I'm I'm year to year. I'm generally just month to month. What do you think you'll do <laughs> when you retire? Old. I'm going to follow in your in your footsteps, dude. Okay. I got a Ryan Rosillo poster on my wall. <laughs> I got a hat for you. We still have a few left. Um, I I'm say, sure it doesn't fit my head. No. Well, I don't know. One notcher maybe. I, I texted you earlier today, and I, I had a game that I wanted to play, running backs and bands. And yeah. I threw something at you, and I said, Emmett Smith is Pearl Jam, but Barry Sanders is more Nirvana. And I hate that. I was like, because I said to you, I was like, because, okay, so to me, Barry Sanders is the GOAT. And I I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear anything else other than Barry Sanders is the best running back to ever play the game, uh, followed by Walter Payton, right? Um, but Nirvana is not the best rock and roll or grunge band of all time. I mean, that would be Pearl Jam. So you so like Pearl Jam. Sense. You think they're better than Nirvana? I do, and maybe we, we would have never known how that band would have evolved 
but honestly, you'd be surprised. Like I love Nirvana in, 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 in its own way. But you know, the first album I ever went that my mom took me to get in the early nineties, my mom took me to a CD store at FYE. that time. I used to, used to go to CD stores. I um, love the CD stores. Yeah, so my mom said you can buy, um, you can pick two CDs, and one of them I picked was uh, Super Unknown. Um, so I was a big Soundgarden fan, and um, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I love Pearl Jam, and I might even say Alice in Chains because of the body of work, um, having a little bit more, is equalish to me with Nirvana, and that might get me crushed. For saying that, but no, I think you think they're better, and I think see, I think more people would agree with you that Pearl Jam has been better. And look, the catalog, and that's kind of what I'm doing. Where Emmett Smith is great, but he's also more of a compiler. Where Barry was, I think, at his peak, better, and then the window yeah. shorter. But I'm just saying that I think like Barry's better than Emmett. That I think Nirvana's better than Pearl Jam. I think more people would say, listening to this, that Pearl Jam's the better band. Okay, well, let me ask you this: Did Emmett ever rush for two thousand yards? Uh, no, I don't think so, right? Okay, yeah. well, then Emmett never had a Pearl Jam season because that's what 10 is to me. Yeah, 10's pretty good. I've been listening to Deep a lot because that was – what were you, 7 when that came out? When 10 came yeah. out? Was it 1991? Yeah, because I was a junior, sophomore going to junior in high school. <laughs> In high school? Jesus, you're old. <laughs> I know, that's I was, the thing. It's like whenever I we're – I was 6 years old. When wherever we're friends, you got to remember that then every now and then something kicks in where I'm a decade older than you. <laughs> no, I mean like, listen, I was six, and yeah. like I said, the first album I listened to was Super Unknown. Um, that's that six? I owned. That seems young for no. Soundgarden. I'm saying Super Unknown was like maybe I was like nine, you know. So when I started getting into Pearl Jam, which was my first concert, um, my mom took me and my buddy Philip. Uh, who, who met a girl, um, we were like 10, 11 years old and Phil met a girl at the concert and held her hand the entire time. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. So, From uh, an out of town, like a different town kind of hookup. And I felt super awkward, bro. And then my mom was like standing behind us. Like so he just crowd. held a stranger's hand, a girl at 10 years well, old, the whole show? He was show? like 10 or 11. Yeah. He was, he was moving fast. <laughs> yeah. But you were probably one of those guys that had sex really early. No, you I had a buddy. No, I'm not uh, trying to be edgy, but like I remember, like 13, I was still getting like I was so into Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man series. Like Amazing Spider-Man was good, Web of was good, but Peter Parker is the one that I related to the most. And then, like, I had this one buddy that went through puberty way before the rest of us, and he's like, "Dude, I had sex." And no, I, was I like, wasn't the what? kid with a, I wasn't yeah. the kid with a mustache in little league. He didn't like, even have. I don't know. We couldn't freaking believe it. It was like a thing. No one like, and people were obsessed with it. So you weren't that guy. No, nah, dude. I was. I was a pretty standard. Would kid. you admit? Um, would you admit it right here on this show? Yeah, I would. But I, I wasn't that cool, dude. I wasn't like that cool guy with a mustache, twelve year old year of baseball. Like so. You know, uh, I, I just wasn't that guy. But like I said, you know, Pearl Jam was my first show, and my buddy, my buddy, <laughs> I'll always remember that. I don't know why. But Pearl well, you Jam was, should. You were very impressionable at that age. He's holding yeah. hands. You're probably a little jealous. Yeah, I was. I was feeling a little, little jealous, a little awkward, a little third wheelish, and you know. And then this is cool. Cool name drop. I think I told you this, um, where we go in the summer is, uh, Flathead Lake in Montana and, uh, got to know Jeff Emmett through, um, uh, Flathead cause he goes up there a lot. He's from Montana. I knew I should have stayed in Montana that week. And so, so Jeff, who's an awesome dude, actually, he, 
he's part of the reason I started climbing Killy because he did it um, in Tanzania and told me about it. But like Jeff was a sensational basketball player. So I kind of, I kind of tried to extend an olive branch after that whole debacle the other day and tweeted something about Pearl Jam. And I go, Oh, by the way, Jeff, who's a terrific musician is also a great white wing player. Uh, and if anybody didn't know that, he is fantastic. I think he played college ball. So. Like a 3 and D wing guy before yeah. we even knew about 3 and D? Yeah, he's the guy at a pickup game that wears like a bandana and just, you know, ultra long, like, like I think jumps high. like Sweats. And sweats like crazy. Jumps high, sweats like crazy, and like just crazy um, three-point accuracy, you know, that whole, that whole deal. But, uh, with Pearl Jam, man, and I don't know if you have anything like this, but one of the few experiences at a rock show that I've ever had that I felt like my, my soul left my body was yeah. like hearing Eddie Vedder sing in person. And I've seen him a few times now, but the only other experience like that for me was seeing the Chili Peppers. And I like the Chili Peppers, but not like I like Pearl Jam or anything. But seeing Flea play guitar, bass guitar, um, I felt like my soul left my body. And then the same effect with hearing Eddie just belt out song after song. I mean, he's so powerful. That's why they're my favorite, um, you know, of that kind of Seattle sound. Wow. You just went, you went deep. I could just see Eddie being like, this is about an old woman and this is for young lovers. Bill. <laughs> We're holding hands at my concerts. <laughs> We're too young to be here. Uh, you know I love a good voice message, and I know how much you like the disaster artist. Have you not understood any of these disaster artist movie quotes that I've been doing? I mean, listen, man, I, I was so busy crying my eyes out laughing in that movie. I need to see it a second time to, like, digest the lines. I'm not a good movie line guy. You know when somebody hits you with a movie line, and they're, like, looking at you to be like, you remember that movie line? Yeah, but the and, accent, the accent that Franco does. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, how old are you? Greg's age? <laughs> unbelievable i mean it was one of the is one of those movies that i think i could always turn on and just and just laugh my ass off it was amazing i felt awkward i was laughing so much in the theater because some people didn't think it was as funny as i did no i i think it's i think it's incredible but the lines yeah. the lines are so good but i'm it's just me trying to do the impersonation again i'm gonna wait till you see it a second time and then you'll appreciate these voice messages that i'm leaving you um, yeah. okay. you've been, wait you've been leaving me voice messages you haven't heard. You haven't responded to any of them, so well, that's why. Like, maybe I haven't heard. Them. So you've been sending out like they expire? Uh, one, no, one way voice messages. Yeah, yeah. So like when that scene where they're playing, throwing the football around, he goes, yeah. "Oh, football, Greg! It's a great American game." So Mark, I don't know. She's like, "I didn't do it. I did not hit her." Oh, I hi, did Mark. Not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Same age Bro. as Greg. Yeah, that was my profile picture for a while. I know. Was, uh, no Tommy one. Wiseau. I'd love to meet Tommy Wiseau. He's doing another project because that's how Hollywood works. Like, well, he, he should. Really? I'd love to make a cameo if if we'll Tommy's out there and he's listening to this show. I would I would do a cameo for free. I know a guy that worth. can connect the whole thing because okay. I have I've written you into a couple scenes. You have. Um, how is that going? Because I don't know if people do you talk about this a lot on your radio program. We do like two minutes on it, and then I think you're being too humble about it. I think you do a terrific job. So give me an update. Uh, well, the first, 
The first thing is, I don't really know how much more it can be fixed. I've been told it's a bad pitch, but a good idea and a, like a good story, but it's not a great pitch. Um, the other thing is an incredible pitch, and I'm working through it now. The problem is, it's three separate storylines all at the same time. So that's, that's the one. That's the one I pitched to you that you really liked. I did like that one. Yeah, but I'm not sharing that one until it's done because you shouldn't have an idea. The yeah. first one, the first one's basically Manchester by the Sea on the Vineyard. The you know, think of it as Manchester by the Sea, the series. I was told not to see that movie because it's so depressing. So yeah, but it's just good. It's just a good movie. You know, there's movies I just stay away from. No, man. I mean, look, it's not Manchester by the Sea concussion. <laughs> <laughs> I stay away from movies. Like I know. That. Like I should, I should ask you about something so it ends up on Sports Center. Yeah, that's why this is the part of my job I needed to be better at over time. Like trying to, yeah, be like, I like that you're not good at that. Yeah, hey, what do you think of the new helmet to helmet rule? Yeah, and it's like Chris Long and the Rosilla Pie. What the hell, Saruti? You're my producer. What can I ask him that people will use and maybe gets him in trouble and gets me a lot of hits? I think you already went there with the comparative stuff with Boston and Philly. What if they say Chris Long, according to the Rosilla podcast, one. says he did not have sex at 13? <laughs> How about is Nova an elite college basketball program? Nova, uh, yeah, dude. I, I honestly, and it's been a rough couple of weeks, but again, it's why? cathartic to just talk blood, about though? it. Are, are they? Are they a blue bud? I'm, they're an elite college basketball program. Yeah, I mean, how many how many programs can you say win two in three years? Yeah, no, that's that's. I don't think that would work, Rudy. We got to do better than that. Like, and Jay Wright is awesome. I mean, Jay Wright, like, you never meet anybody who has a bad thing to say about him. He seems like he does everything. By the book. Will they use this on Get Up, you think? Maybe. What's that? Chris Long says Jay Wright's a good coach. Nah, we need to do better. Hey, no, would you want, I, would you want will, Kaepernick I'll to be a teammate? Best, the best two coaches in, in college basketball are Tony Bennett and Jay Wright. Uh-oh. He hasn't given up on Tony Bennett. Wait, what about RG3? I think it's terrific. RG3? Yeah. Hey, I'm, can, glad, I'm glad he has a job. Can RG3 be a pro bowler again? Go. Yeah. There you he go. Stays, cut that he up. He stays healthy and he's in the right situation. Perfect. There we go. We got our cut for get up. Tell yep. get up. Tell Bill Wolf we got him a cut. You said can? Yeah, I said can. Not yeah, will. you can. There you go. I don't Can you do it again? Let's try to do I cut you off. Let's do it in a clean way. What do you think about RG3? Can he be a pro bowler again, Chris Long? <laughs> RG3 can be a pro bowler again. Cut it. Perfect. Okay, um, was there anything else that you wanted to do before we got to these questions? Or no, you, I don't think are so. Are you about done? Um, you you, uh, you kind of talked about the terrible take you had with Nirvana, but I think somebody that likes Nirvana a lot can identify with the Barry Sanders thing. So if you think they're that great, yeah, I get that. I had another one that I didn't use. Go for it. Is Le'Veon Bell police because he wants to go solo and make it worse? Wow. You You don't have to comment. I don't know. I think he's much better than the police. No offense to the police. No, but it's Sting. Like, Sting's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Sting's, Sting's incredible, but Le'Veon's potentially early, better. Yeah, but early, like, hybrid ska stuff? Okay. I kind of see where you're going. I don't hate that one. All right. Normally, we'll have production for this. I, I want to start doing this with all of our guests. Um, okay, are you ready? Yeah. Five questions. In honor of Craig Kilborn, my favorite anchor ever. Sorry, Van Pelt. Uh, when you go into the Hall of Fame, which team are you going to go into the Hall of Fame as a member of? <laughs> uh, oh man, probably the Eagles because maybe they'll 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 uh, 
do like a good guy, charitable guy Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. Maybe maybe the local. By the way, I did look this up in preparation of this interview. Um, you're not asked to declare a team as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, that'll come in handy. Yeah, so you're in the clear. <laughs> That's you're good. Okay. Do you remember any of your combine results? Yeah, okay. I can go 10-8 on broad. Was it 10-8? Do you have it in front of you? 10-8 is, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what? You're right, and they, they did it differently. Yeah, so um, people should know that because yeah, 10, that doesn't sound like a white DN, does it? No, no. That's that's good. That's good. They listen um, to it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You're on it. Uh, ten eight for the broad. I thirty four for the uh, for the vert. To the to the eighth of an inch. You got it. So the funny thing about the vert is, I put uh, gloves on and put tissue paper on the tips of my fingers after um, after they measure because they measure you how high you can reach. So I did that with bare hands, and then I kind of went around the corner and put tissue in my my fingers. Uh, and put a glove on, and they oh, caught me. So, they caught you? What did yeah, they, they say? Me. They, well, evidently a lot of guys try it. Oh. So um, great minds think alike. So 34 on the vert. Um, I think I was a 477 official. On 475. The 475 official. But the problem with that is you get – they just average that out, um, which which to me, I swear I ran in the four sixes. Um, I've never heard anybody say they ran faster than the clock time. It's the first time ever. Well, I ran the four sixes. Uh, technology's come a long way since then. It says twelve reps here. That that's right. So with the bench, I did not bench. Nice try. I did not bench um, because I had a thumb injury, quote unquote. Um, I, I just have I have this injury called never having pecs in my life. Uh, so <laughs> I've never been able to bench in my life. I did have a thumb injury, but. It was more about the fact that I probably would have got about twelve reps. Did you have you ever benched three fifteen? Yeah, absolutely. I've been, the highest I ever bench was four oh five. So you got all eight plates. And what were you weighing? Like two seventy? Yeah, but like now if I had to put something on the bar, I'd, I don't think I could get over two seventy five. Two eighty five, I don't know. Makes you the second strongest guy in this podcast. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> One of us can do other things athletically than just bench. So, uh, no, trust me, I have a loser T-shirt on. Okay, um, okay. Were there any other? Uh, we could do cone. combine. I don't care. I have the cone drill and the twenty-yard shuttle. These are yeah. really good numbers, though. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, seven seconds and then a four-two-one. Okay, all right. Rather rapid-fire question. So we got the Hall of Fame combine. Does Howie Junior, your brother, ever text Cooper Manning and just say, "Bro"? No, because. I don't know Cooper, but Howie's the smartest, coolest guy in our uh, and funniest in 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 our group. And actually, I don't know if Cooper played any sports, but Howie was a great lacrosse player and uh, and a well, he played at UVA in lacrosse. But then in in high school, he was uh, kind of like a record setting type quarterback. So in any other family, he'd be the absolute athletic alpha male. So it's always funny to me when somebody's like, you know. Howie, why aren't you in the NFL? I'm like, you're not really coming from a position of strength here because he had a way better athletic career than you. So uh, tough draw to be in this family, but he's a hell of a dude and a hell of an athlete too. Yeah, I was researching that, and I hate the way the second paragraph started. So when he um, accepted and decided to go to UVA, this is you had already been there, and Kyle was a senior in high school, I think, or something. And 
Maybe, yeah, because he might have committed before Kyle left right, high school. Right, and the the second paragraph after saying that Howie Jr. is going, it goes, quote, the youngest and the smallest of Howie's three sons. What a terrible it, it, sentence. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, you know, and, and that's why I said it's Howie like, Jr. It's like, and the guy writing that has probably never played a sport in his life. Uh, you know, and I don't think he means anything by it, but, you know, my brother, you know, as far as like, he works out for the Raiders. He works for the Raiders right now. But, uh, you know, my teammates, whenever my brother comes in town, they're like, that's my favorite long. So that's you know, what everybody says about you guys. <laughs> pretty much. If they had to power rank <laughs> us in personality, it's uh, Howie Jr. Okay. first. Okay. So let's do this roommate rankings. Howie Sr., Howie Jr., you and Kyle. Roommate rankings? Yeah. So not like if, if it were just an ad on Craigslist, who would be the best fit, worst fit for just my a dad dude. would be, my dad would be a great roommate. great roommate. He's relatively neat. He wants me to live with him. He said that he, he's asked me to stay with him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he'd be a great roommate. He's considerate. He's, he's, uh, really tidy. Um, and I enjoy talking to my dad. Uh, you know, then there's, you said Howie Jr., yeah. my youngest brother. Yeah. Um, Howie would be next. He's a lot of fun. He is a lot of fun. He's not the neatest, but he's funny as hell, and he's a lot of fun. And then third would be Kyle. Um, that's just where I'll leave that. This is such a lie. Cause you, oh, wait a minute, are you including yourself? I was having you include you in there, too. I'd be second behind my dad. Right, because Kyle's last. Kyle's last, yeah. undoubtedly. Right. He just sits there in his giant race car. He has like a giant race car, like arcade game that costs like $100,000. If you've ever seen this stuff, it's like virtual reality NASCAR racing. Did he ship it out to Manhattan Beach? He, he would do something that impulsive. Right, because uh, I was not there in time. He's like, are you here? And I kind of was like, I want to <laughs> hang out, but I'm more fascinated to see what goes down because I think I'm just going to watch you on Fortnite all night. I mean, he'd just play video games all day, and uh, he would leave a lot of food around. Yeah, I knew he was going to be ranked last. Um, thanks, man. I appreciate No problem. This. No problem, brother. It's uh, fun catching up, and uh, keep it going. Can you, real quick, I have one question for you. Can you rank your top three Nirvana uh, songs? Top three? Mm. Um. I'm not so great with song names. See, it's not fun to be interviewed. Oh, I didn't know we were doing that. Yeah, I can, no. I can, I can give it to you right now. Um, I love dumb. I love um, drain you, and maybe, uh, maybe territorial pissings. I'm not sure. Um, I kind of love Penny Royalty. That's in my top three too. Okay, cool. We're good. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Do you need to promote anything? Uh, check out waterboys.org. Waterboys.org. Thank you. All right. Okay. The first installment of five questions did not go as fast as I expected to, but that's okay uh, because it's the first time and we're going to start doing, might just call it this week's segment segment where I have different things. So, uh, everybody, please keep the subscriptions, the rating, the reviewing, 
keep it going. We have another bag that we found in my office of stuff. Saruti's cool with giving out some more of that. Screen grab a review or a subscription or whatever. You guys know the game. Uh, let's keep it going, man. Thank you, everyone, for checking out the Rusillo Show podcast. Mm-hmm.